at this uh, juncture, may I request you to please stand as we read uh, the word of the Lord. We will be taking our text from uh, the last chapter of the book of Mark, Mark chapter 16, verses 14 to 20, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table and rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned." And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into the heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. These are the words of the Lord. May he worship, be worshiped and praised by its reading. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We rejoice in this truth. And so, Father, as we listen to your word, as we study them together, continue to impress upon our hearts your wonderful words of life and that we may be able to apply them in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Let's all be seated. Last week, um, Pastor Well uh, gave us this message about staying awake as we prepare ourselves to uh, the imminent return of our Lord Jesus. So, um, I was particularly touched by the message about the season of our lives. I'm particularly in my season of my life, and I know that many of you are also in respective seasons of your lives. And uh, we are also in a particular season in, uh, in our country. Uh, we're also particularly in one season in the world now. Uh, there's a lot of changes we're all panicky with the thought of uh, not having fresh chicken in our pantry or in our refrigerators. Um, that's a season, could you imagine? That simple thing uh, bothers us a lot. And this week, perhaps more important than not having fresh chicken, uh, we have been awakened by this uh, very, very sad and disturbing news of uh, mass shooting again in one of the schools in the U.S., 18 of them, if I'm not mistaken, 18 school children, primary school children, were shot. And uh, a week before that, uh, there was a shooting in one of the churches in California. And a week before that, uh, there was also a shooting in one of the groceries, uh, grocery stores or mart in, in the U.S. And, and so I know that this is not easy for many of our dear brothers and sisters. So let's continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in the U.S. Um, it's difficult. And I find that particularly disturbing because as a parent of two young boys, the least 
place that I would expect them to be hurt or to get hurt will be school. Meaning, home and school should be the one of the safest places for children to be in. And could you imagine sending your kid to school and that will be the last time that you will see them alive? That's particularly disturbing to me. I couldn't imagine that. So you could imagine the, the, the horror and the trauma that these parents are facing. And so with that, with those things that are happening around the world and with our concern of not having enough supply of fresh chicken um, ever, I am more convinced that the gospel must be preached. The gospel must be proclaimed. Now, you can have many solutions to the problem in the U.S., although many of you here perhaps or I don't know if any one of you are U.S. citizens. We are not. I am not. We may have solutions for the U.S., but for me as a Christian, the universal solution for the problem of mankind is the gospel. And so I entitled this sermon, The Good News for All Creation. There's a good news for you and me. There's a good news for all creation. And we've just read that from the text that we have read. And, you know, the reason why I entitled this sermon Good News for All Creation because, you know, the gospel isn't just for us. The gospel is for all creation. And we can find that in Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 23, and I will read. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we human beings, Christians, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So, if you will read Romans chapter 8, verses 20 to 23, you know the entire creation, the, cre the entire created world is waiting for our redemption. And therefore, the proclamation of the gospel, the redemption of the entire world, the redemption of the entire created universe awaits the redemption of God's people. And that redemption depends largely on the proclamation of the gospel, whether or not we're doing the Great Commission. You know, in Genesis, the reason why it was said here in uh, Romans, you know, in Genesis, we human beings, our uh, parents, Adam and Eve, if you will read Genesis, he or they were given the mandate to subdue and have dominion over all creation. And as Christians, and as human beings first, I'll say that first. As human beings, we have, because of our sin, we have uh, boggled that up. We have really messed up with that mandate to subdue and to have dominion over all the creation. We have not made good at that. Why do I say that? We did not exercise our mandate to have dominion over all creation. What we did was we abused it. 
we abused our world. And this is somehow strange to me. When I uh, talk to a Christian, I rarely, 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 almost nil, hear a Christian who is also an environmentalist. Being an environmentalist and being a Christian are not incompatible postures. They must be compatible in the light of the gospel, in the light of this verse. The entire creation is waiting for our redemption. So, sometimes I would wonder, and this is perhaps a bit troublesome, you know, when you hear a Christian and you see a Christian that's so wasteful, wasteful of resources, wasteful of water, wasteful of paper, wasteful of everything. As beings created by God, as beings mandated by God to have dominion over all the earth, we did, we did not exercise that dominion. In fact, what we did was to exploit it, in fact, abuse it. Is that compatible to the message that we preach? And we will discuss that now. And so, what I'm saying is this. Since that this entire creation is waiting for that, therefore, there is a need. There is always a great need. Now, more than ever, to proclaim the gospel. To pursue that great commission. And what is the great commission? Sige nga, mga kapatid, uh, for our uh, online viewers who are here. What is the great commission? The great commission is Some of you perhaps uh, still don't know it, but for, uh, well, I'm a bit disturbed that many of you perhaps uh, are still struggling with that. What is the Great Commission? To? To preach the gospel and to make disciples. Oh, yon, disciples of all nations. Let me read that to you so that we will not uh, get confused with that. I will read from... Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses uh, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, be, to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is a very popular great commission uh, in the gospel. And of course, many of our great commission sermons are based from this text. But there is one version of Mark. We have read from Mark chapter 16. That is Mark's version of the great commission. And today, we're going to dissect Mark's uh, great commission. What is the great commission according to Mark. Uh, we already know how Matthew unfolded his great commission. Go ye therefore and baptize them, uh, preach to all nations, you know, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is a great commission according to Matthew. But Mark also exemplified this. In fact, in uh, complementing what uh, Matthew said, We've read from Mark what Great Commission is all about. So, I will discuss with you the five C's, as in C's, as in cat, 
command, five C's of the Great Commission according to Mark. And uh, I hope you will not be surprised that the first part of the Great Commission according to Mark, and even in Matthew, is rebuke. Another word for rebuke is chastise. So as you know, I'm a former English teacher, so I will always give you a vocabulary word. Another word for rebuke is chastise. All right. So that's the first C, chastise. I will read from Mark uh, chap uh, chapter 16, verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Did Matthew also record a rebuke or a chastisement? Did he? What's your answer? Because we would always jump to verse 18, right? Did Matthew record, did Matthew say they, they were rebuked before they were given the Great Commission? What do you think? Yes or no? Yes or no? Okay. The answer will be in the scripture itself. So let's read. 16 and 17. Now the 11, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. And so in Matthew, he already gave a hint to us that many of the disciples perhaps not all of them, some doubted. And so therefore, when you go to Mark 16, it was amplified there. In fact, the doubting of uh, some was met by Jesus' rebuke or chastisement. That's why in verse uh, chapter 16, verse 14, he said, according, afterward he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at them, and he rebuked them for their unbelief. So the amplification of Matthew chapter 28 verse 16 to 17 was actually Mark 16 verse 14. They were chastised. They were rebuked. And it's part of the Great Commission. Why would Jesus include chastisement in the Great Commission? Why do you think Mark had to include this in the narrative of the Great Commission? Why would Matthew include there in the line that they doubted? What is the relevance of that in our understanding of the Great Commission? When we read the scripture, we should ask questions. Why is it said here? Why were they chastised or rebuked? Were they immediately charged? Go in, therefore. No, there was a preceding event that happened before it. They were rebuked. Why were they rebuked? Because of unbelief. This is important and highlighted by the two gospel writers precisely because belief is important in their next assignment. Solid foundational belief in Jesus Christ, in his life, death, and his resurrection is so important in their next assignment. 
how are they able how will they be able to preach the gospel how will they be able to proclaim the gospel if they themselves they doubt about it it's basic in teaching you cannot give what you do not have you cannot share what you do not know you won't be able to proclaim what you did not or you, you weren't able to experience. And so Jesus said, you were with me. You know these things. Why are you still doubting? And so they were rebuked. Jesus wanted to make sure that they will become effective witnesses of Jesus Christ. They were rebuked. You must believe. That is very important. Even before you are charged to go and preach the gospel and to proclaim the gospel to all nations, do you really believe? Have you really experienced the gospel of Jesus? I was asking the first uh, service congregation, do you know the gospel? If someone asks you, um, Ray, do you know the gospel? What is the gospel? And you will say, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Is that the gospel? I'll even ask you a better question. Have you experienced the power of the gospel? Yes or no? Because you weren't be able to become effective witnesses of Jesus Christ. You weren't be able to have that proclamation if you don't experience it. That was my challenge to God before. I said, Lord, I need to feel the gospel. I need to make it true to my life. I grew up in a church. I already wake up perhaps reading the Bible. I grew up in a church like many of us here, like young people who are here. Like I'm addressing to the young people who grew up in this church. I grew up like you. And there was once in my life I've asked, Lord, these words that I read must be true to my life. Otherwise, it's difficult to be a Christian. I said, these words must be true to me. I must be able to experience that truth in my life. Otherwise, this is all fakery. This is all pomp and circumstance. This will all be lies. I need to experience the gospel. I need to know it. I need to have a personal encounter with you. That is my challenge to you, O oh Lord. I grew up in a church. I grew up. I grew up not questioning my faith and ended up questioning it. And so when I asked the, the, the young uh, people that are here whether they are believing in Christianity or not, and they said, yeah, I'm still doubting, still searching. I said, I understand you. I was like you. But I was able to experience God powerfully. And I've said that by a way of hope. And so rebuke is very important because Jesus wanted to make sure that you believe the gospel that you will proclaim. Imagine they were with him. Nakita na, di ba? They were even told Jesus is alive. They still doubted it. Chastisement. I will just relate that to what Pastor Ruel was saying. You know, in, in, in the way we will do things, we will um, have seasons in our lives. And in the seasons of our lives, um, we will be chastised as well. We will be rebuked by God. It doesn't mean that you 
get a disease or you contracted a disease or your business is failing or you experience all these things. It doesn't mean that God, God's favor is not upon you or that you're being um, not blessed by God or you're sinful and you know all of these things. It could be a season to you. The other teachers will tell you that if you don't have this and this and this and that, you are not blessed by God. Perhaps, oh, baka may kasalanan ka. Not, not necessarily. Not necessarily. It could be God's sovereignty working in your life. Perhaps it could be a blessing of God in your life. We always see blessing as a form of bounty, but we never see God in the light of suffering, in the light of persecution, in the light even in our disease. Because if the only way to know God is through prosperity, you ask our poster boy, Job. You ask him, don't ask me. He's a very righteous man and he was tested by God. So don't ask. So it could be a season. And that is the way for us to experience also the gospel of Jesus Christ. We could be rebuked. We could be chastised. Imagine you are here, you experience it, and you're still not sharing it. You're still not believing it. So that is the first C. We are chastised. That is the first C of uh, the Great Commission according to Mark. The second one is the very important one, which is the charge to them, the commission. And we find that commission in verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Of course, we find a parallel to this uh, in Matthew 28. Now, the verse here, ESV, at least in this translation, use the word proclaim. Proclaim means to spread, to tell. What are we going to tell them? What are we going to tell them? We are going to tell them the, the gospel. The gospel. We will tell them the gospel, none other. But this is interesting. The gospel to human beings. Look at the, the next line. Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. I find that very interesting. I find that very interesting. So I'm asking myself, to whom? To whom I should proclaim the gospel? Definitely, we're part of the creation, right? So definitely, we're number one on the list. Proclaim the gospel to the human beings all over the earth. Check. But the original language of this is kitesis, creation, created world. So I ask myself, may mali ba dun sa statement? How am I going to proclaim the gospel to the entire world? Fine, I understand to human beings, yes, right? How? Why do we need to proclaim? Why is there a need for us to proclaim? And how are we going to proclaim the gospel to the entire world? To the entire creation. How? Have you asked that? Because the Bible says to the whole creation, if you go to the Greek of the Ischetesis, 
I've researched it because I couldn't bless the creation. Perhaps human beings, creation probably means human beings on it. No, it's not. It's creation. Creation, every living creature, big and small, great creatures, big and small. I said, how? And I've asked this question, how much of the gospel and its message inform the way you live? I was speaking to Tita Savi a while ago, how much of our lifestyle is very much influenced by the gospel. And that gospel spells out in the way we treat others, the way we expend resources, what I'm saying a while ago, the way we even treat the environment, the way we even treat small animals. Does that speak of the gospel? Of a life informed, influenced by the gospel? And I said, yes, so this is true. That is how we proclaim the gospel. How do you treat small animals passing by? Do you kick them out? I believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then your neighbor will look at you. Wow. If that is Christianity, I don't want to be Christian anymore. Very small cat, huh? You know, some people are like that. Or, I'm a Christian. I will wastefully use paper because I believe I have the dominion over all the earth. Very Christian or not? Gospel-informed life or not? To the young people who are here, how do you use your resources? Energy, resource, your clothes, your electricity, water. I was telling my children, don't open the tap as if this is, you know, an overflowing river. We're paying for it, every drop of it. It means, and I like what I had the conversation with Ita Salve, lifestyle, not just life, how you live your life. What is your lifestyle now? Are you wasteful? If you, very, you know, Christianity is not just theologically highbrow faith. It's very practical. When you go to, a, uh, to Starbucks or whatever, do you just, anyway, there's a, let's just waste paper. Let's just waste energy. Is that very Christian? Is that being good stewards of the world? Sometimes we disconnect us to the world. I don't think that is what Christianity is teaching us. We should not disconnect ourselves to the world. We are called to the world to be, to be uh, witnesses of Jesus Christ to the world. We are in the world. We are not of the world, but we are in the world. And therefore, we must proclaim that. Our lifestyle must reflect that gospel. That's how we proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. How wasteful are you, my dear brothers and sisters? Christians should show prudence. Christians should show um, I'm not saying stinginess, huh? thriftiness. Save so that you can give more to others. That's Christianity. It's very practical. If you are environmentalist and you're a Christian, I salute you. There's no disconnect with that. That is the charge. And particularly to proclaim it. Now we go to the human beings to proclaim the gospel. Now, that is the problem. The problem is this. 
we know that we are charged to preach the gospel. That is non-issue. The issue is this. Do we know it? Do you know how to share it? And do you live by it? Again, you cannot share what you do not have. You cannot proclaim what you do not know. And that is the charge, to proclaim the gospel to whole creation. And as we proclaim that, according to Mark, there's another C, that is to confirm. And uh, in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, what is that that confirms our belief and our commission or our charge? In 16, uh, uh, Mark chapter 16, it reads, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. The confirmation of our faith is shown through our public profession of it. And it is not to say, let me say what this verse does not say or what's, not the, what, what's the, uh, the opposite meaning of this if you will misinterpret this text. This is how it, it would go. You might believe that baptism is a prerequisite to salvation. With, if you will read this verse, uh, you will just gloss over it. But I don't think that is what the verse is all about. The understanding, uh, key in understanding this verse is the word baptized. Right? Because it says here, whoever believes and is baptized. So it means, does it mean that I need to be baptized in order for me to be saved? What is your answer? Yes or no? The crucial key in understanding this text is the word baptized. What is baptism? Isn't that baptism is a profession of one's faith? It's a public confirmation of your faith, right? So if I will amplify this, whoever believes and publicly profess, live out and proclaim that faith. It means like this, believing is one thing, but the ultimate evidence that you believe on something is that whether or not you're able to live by it and live on that truth that you believe. And so therefore, that is just correct. So baptism here, as we should understand, is, means your profession of one's faith. And that is very much related to the proclamation of the gospel, to the Great Commission. The Great Commission is the proclamation of the gospel, isn't it? To make disciple of all nations. How does baptism, which means profession of one's faith, public declaration of one's faith, related to the charge to proclaim the gospel? Is there a relationship that you can see? The baptism is about profession of faith, public declaration of faith. And with that public declaration of faith, you are called to proclaim it. What's the relationship? So therefore, this uh, verse is so true. In other words, Jesus is saying that baptism is, that baptism is necessary to salvation. He's not saying that. What he's saying that he already taught in the scripture that the only way through heaven, the only way to the Father is through him. He taught that. He did not say salvation is part of it or salvation will be uh, elemental or, or necessary or prerequisite to it. We are only saved uh, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. 
Baptism is our profession of faith. So how is that related? Because baptism, as a profession of one's faith, it is an outward public confirmation of our belief in Jesus Christ, of our faith, in the same way. The Great Commission is not a secret, defeated, and silent proclamation. And that's why when you are baptized, you're proclaiming to the world that you are a Christian, and with that proclamation, you say, I am going to preach that. I'm going to live by this gospel. I'm going to tell everyone about my faith. You start from the time you publicly profess that I am a Christian. Our faith necessitates public declaration. And that declaration is about living out the transformative gospel of Jesus Christ witnessing about his life, his death, and his resurrection. And that is why that's how I would say to understand that text. And that is just so related. My public confirmation or my public profession of faith is very important in the way I will proclaim it. And that's why Jesus is saying, you believe and you are baptized. You publicly profess your faith. That's related to the Great Commission. And so the fourth one is this, as part of the cease of uh, Great Commission according to Mark, is to corroborate. Add this to our uh, vocabulary. Another word for corroborate means to support. Nakikinig kayo ngayon ng Amber and uh, Johnny Depp, di ba? Objection, your honor, you know, I, this is corroborative evidence, you know, and all of that. Corroborate, meaning to support, to accompany. Yeah, no? Part of 5C, we, other than we are being charged, there's a confirmation, there's also a corroboration. Support. What is that support? Let us read from Mark uh, chapter 16, verse 17 to 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, let us carefully read this text because this might be open to misinterpretation. If I say here, let me ask you this question. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Okay. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Very good. I have here poisonous serpents. You touch it so that you will, I, will, I can be proven that you are now believing in Jesus Christ. Come on. Let's uh, hold this. Uh. Would you dare? Yes or no? Oh, now you're laughing. Okay. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I will let you drink poison. If you are poisoned, it means you're not believing. But if you're not poisoned, it means you are truly believing. Right or wrong? Right or wrong? Pastor Well, I think you should take over me now and take over your congregation. Right or wrong? So I will let you drink poison for you just to prove to me that you're a, will you? 
Will you? This is not about proving that you believe. This is somehow related in the proclamation of the gospel. And so many people misinterpret this. I call that, if you will do this, just to prove to me that you believe, I think, and I'll say this, and I will not apologize for this, foolishness. Why would you prove to me that you believe? This verse is related to the proclamation of the gospel. These things are true. These things happen. Signs, miracles, and wonders still happen. There's something I appreciate about the Pentecostal tradition. You know originally that I am not coming from a Pentecostal tradition. I am a hybrid of being a Baptist and a Presbyterian. But there is something that I realized along the way is that I believe in the continuity of the gift of the Spirit. Signs, wonders, and miracles, and even the, the new tongues. I believe that. You know, this is true. This is the uh, part of the Great Commission of Mark because he says that this will accompany in the proclamation of your Great Commission. And this happens truly in the field of mission. I'll give you an example. There's a story. These people don't know how to read and write. This tribe. And um, in that tribe, um, they were believing a god, a pagan god, and the chieftain does not believe in Jesus Christ. They cannot read the Bible because they don't know how to read. And so the daughter of that chieftain was made severely ill. They were praying to this god day and night. The child, the daughter, is very, very ill still. And so came the missionary and prayed for that daughter. And instantaneously, that daughter got healed. That healing is a public witness of the power of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And the chieftain and the entire people believed. So uh, do I believe in that? Yes. But not to prove to me, not to misinterpret this text, that the way to prove to me or the, pray, the way to prove your Christianity is to get a poison and drink it that, that you, you will not get it. I think that's stretching the text and that's misinterpreting this text. This text is related to our proclamation of the gospel. And this is true to many of you who have undergone or have went to even short-term missions. Um, some of you will come here and say you prayed for someone and that someone became healed or was healed, right? And of course, some missionaries will go to the jungles in whatever uh, place and then of course they will be bitten by something, bitten by a mosquito or something. And for some miracles, they did not contract any disease. I'm not saying that they will or they will not. I'm not saying that those missionaries who got disease will not or will be immune with any kind. I'm not saying that. What am I saying is that this is part of the proclamation of the gospel. This will be true to witness for Jesus Christ. To witness for Jesus Christ. I still believe that it happens. It will happen. But I am not saying that this, you should get this verse as a license, as your all immunity against poison or serpent. That is a wrong way of interpreting it. But let me say this. Let me say this. Throughout the ages, the proclamation of the gospel is accompanied by miracles and wonders. The mission work that we do of the church testify this truth. I believe that. But, you see, the greatest miracle of all is a transformed life. A changed heart, 
a renewed soul of a sinner, for a condemned to be pardoned, for a prisoner to be given liberty, and a wayward to find his way home. Miracle is actually going against nature, right? What is our nature? Aren't we all sinners? Pardoned by God. Isn't that a miracle? So sometimes we look upon these great signs and wonders. No doubt God will give that. No doubt. I too, I tell you, I'm experienced miracle. I told you already the miracle that happened to me, right? Meron ako itong, you know, uh, skin disease here. Halas in Tagalog, you know, it's, it's nakakahiya. It's, it's very embarrassing. It's really like, it's kadiri, you know. Um, it's, it's really oozing here, you know. It's a good thing I'm single then. Otherwise, and you know, a pastor, the pastor said, um, someone here is having this very terrible disease on in here, somewhere near your private uh, area. And uh, it's itchy, it's like that. It has, you know, some scabs on it. Da, 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 da. I said, I think that's me. And said, the Lord is healing you now. Coming from a very Baptist background, I don't believe that. We, we, we don't usually do that in the church. We don't have healing in the church. So I said, hmm, but yeah, I want it to be healed. Because it's so itchy, you know. I, I will put gauze because it's so itchy. You will never believe what happened. I went home, and it's all dry. It's all dry. And, and now, I still have a flawless skin. <laughs> I'm not joking. And that is why, for that reason, I became Pentecostal, you know. That is true. That is true. For me, that is true. So God can heal you. No, no problem with that. But God, all of this healing, all of these miraculous signs and wonders, all point out to this to the testimony, to the gospel, and to the glory of Jesus Christ. If that will not point to Jesus Christ, that could be a healing somewhere else. That may not be true. But if that healing, that power, that miraculous signs and wonders, that new tongue will point out to Jesus Christ, the glory of Jesus Christ, that is really the proclamation, a way to proclaim the gospel. If you are sick, you can uh, ask God for healing. No need to make a claim. I will claim for the healing. Just ask God mercifully. Lord, have mercy on me. Give. I did not claim for healing of God. I said, Lord, just heal me because it's really troubling me. I did not say, I claim for the healing of God. I'm coming from a Baptist background. So I don't know how to claim. But I said, Lord, heal me. And I was healed. I just say, Lord, have mercy on me. Heal me. And God healed me. Now, if God did not heal me, does it make him less of a God? He's still a God. He's still sovereign God. He's still good. I hope that you understand that. And so, that is the work. And the greatest miracle, my dear brothers and sisters, is none other than a transformed life in Jesus Christ. Gumaling ka nga sa karamdaman mo. You've been healed with your disease. Ganun pa rin ang buhay mo. Is that a transformed life? Is that healing really? You've been healed from a disease, but your life has not changed. Perhaps there's no miracle there. The greatest miracle is a transformed life, a changed heart, a renewed soul. And the last one, and I will end here, the last C of the Great Commission according to Mark is to comply. What is the word comply? It means to follow, obey. 
Let me read to you Mark chapter 16, verse 19 to 20. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out. And they went out and preached everywhere. Everywhere. While the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. You know, even the, the signs and wonders that, that the Lord Jesus was saying in uh, Mark, that was actually happened in the first century Christians, particularly to Apostle Paul. Would, do you remember that um, when Apostle Paul preached into an island, uh, he was bitten by a snake and he was almost worshipped there because he was bitten by a snake but it did not you know, uh, uh, move him at all. But you see, the more important aspect <clears throat> of this is this. They went out and preached everywhere. They complied. We should not be afraid to preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. We are mandated, we are charged to preach it everywhere. <clears throat> so the issue is not sometimes the place. We know that God will empower us as we preach and teach the gospel, as we disciple all nations. The problem is, is, what are we discipling about? Who is this that we're discipling? Do we know the gospel? I'll go back to my question. Do we know the gospel? Do you understand the gospel? Have you experienced the gospel? Or we're all just here sitting down doing a religious duty of coming to church because anyway, it's Sunday, 12 to 1.30. I need to go to church. I believe, my dear brothers and sisters, the Lord will empower us to all preach the gospel. That is what the, the Bible is saying in the last days. And I hope every, each and every one of us here will be used by God mightily. We, would, we need to seek the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for us to teach and preach and ultimately proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that. Each and every one of you here is mandated by God to proclaim the gospel. By deed, by word. Each and every one of you here proclaim the gospel in practice, in lifestyle, in word, and in your deeds. That is how we need to proclaim the gospel. It's very nice that we have read here, they went out and preached everywhere. They complied with Jesus' charge, the commission of Jesus Christ. While the Lord worked with them. Who works with you as you preach and teach and disciple all nations? Who will work with you? The Lord. The Holy Spirit. And we should seek that every day. And so I'll end here, my dear brothers and sisters. I hope that as we have looked into and studied into the Great Commission according to Mark, complementing what Matthew had testified and narrated, I hope that the charge for each and every believer who is here is to proclaim the gospel to all creation. Make the gospel a lifestyle to you. Make the gospel true to you. If you don't know the gospel, know it. If you don't know how to proclaim it, know it. The Holy Spirit will teach us. He will work with us. So that is my encouragement to you, my dear brothers, as you go through your week. 
is your life, is your lifestyle influenced and informed by the gospel that you believe? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you have called us to be your people. And so, Father, today I pray that you will empower your people today, I pray, that you will speak to their hearts, lead them to all truth, that they may be able to live out this gospel proclamation, this gospel truth into their lives, that each and every part of their life, Lord God, will be informed by that truth, by the good news, the way they treat others, the way they even expend their resources, the way they plan, the, the way even they hold their political beliefs will be informed and influenced greatly by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way we treat small creatures, by the way we even treat our enemies. And so, Father, today I pray that this charge to proclaim the gospel to all creation will be true to all of us. And Lord, whatever it is that is going through in the life of my dear brothers and sisters, let this gospel also be a comfort to them. The gospel that comforts, the gospel that saves, the gospel that forgives, the gospel that tells them that there is a holy God that loves them unconditionally. That whatever they're going through, sickness, health, you are with them because you died for us, the gospel for all of us. So Father, thank you today, I pray. Bless your people and their work week as the days would come. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let us all stand to receive the benediction. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body become blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you in the mighty name of our triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God will reply with Amen, Amen, and Amen. Thank you, my dear brothers and sisters. Proclaim the gospel to all creation. Live out a gospel-filled life. Thank you, my dear brothers and sisters who joined us on Facebook and YouTube. God bless you all.